My name is Anne Murakami, and I'm a member of the Sanctuary Choir. Let's continue in worship as we hear from the Word of the Lord. Our scripture reading today is found in John 14, verses 23 to 31. Hear the Word of the Lord. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be with you on uh, this weekend. If you are a Facebook person or an Instagram person, this is quickly becoming a blackout weekend in my life for this holiday that we had yesterday because I just see how everybody celebrates Valentine's Day and I'm reminded that my great generosity was to bring home soup from Panera last night. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day, honey. Um, But it was good soup. Uh, So... Anyway, hey, yesterday, so hot, we had a water fight at our house, and my boys are running around in the backyard with water guns and buckets of water. With the drought, we used very little water, very little water. (laughs) They were rationed to a gallon. Anyway, um, throwing water around, and I wanted to capture this, and I was reminded that mostly I take pictures with my phone. And then I, re- I said, oh, we have a camera. We have a camera for this. Because about a year ago, we were going on vacation, and I had just learned about the new kind of camera called a rugged camera. And a rugged camera, for those of you who don't know, it can, it's waterproof, it can be dropped, it's like built for the Matisich family. This is amazing. So when I knew this was the camera I wanted a year ago, we looked quickly online and looked for the quick things. So it can drop from 10 feet, it's waterproof, I could, it's, it's kind of indestructible. And on Amazon, when you order, you know under the details, it's just a quick bullet point, right? It's like a, one word, uh, waterproof. Then the camera came, and the manual was so much bigger than the actual camera. So yes, it's true all these things are part of the camera, but to understand how to do it is incredibly complicated. And, and to this day, I pulled my camera out yesterday, and I could pretty much just shoot a picture with it. But in terms of the settings and all of those things, you would think I would know how to do more with it. So, right, so something that was supposed to be fairly simple turns out to have some very complex sides, although when using it, it's very easy. Today, we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And in so many ways, the Holy Spirit can be understood this way. 
It's a very simple understanding. It's God's presence in the person of the Holy Spirit given to us. And yet when you start looking at the scriptures and start looking at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and how that's connected to the doctrine of the Trinity, it becomes very dizzy at times. The goal this morning is to keep it simple. To look at what's happening in the text that was read and some text we're going to read before uh, what we heard today and to see what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that he will give to his disciples. My prayer is this, is that for each one of us, no matter where we are this morning, that when we leave this place, that we would be more aware of the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives the rest of today and this coming week than we were last week. Amen? Join me in prayer. God, we want to meet you this morning. We have sang to you. We have communed with you. We have given to you. We have connected with you. Now, Father, speak to us through your word. I pray for each one in this room that whatever circumstance they find themselves in, whatever life has looked like this week, that this time together would be so sweet to them and their fellowship with you and with one another would be so sweet that it would encourage us in such a way that when we leave this place, we can be more fully who you have created us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So remembering where we were last week, Jesus, this series, the knocked knocked out but not out, knocked down but not out. Okay, good. Jesus is with his disciples, his final teaching with them before he's to go to the cross. Pastor Greg preached so powerfully last week as we looked at the disciples' reaction to the news that their teacher, their rabbi, was leaving them. And we saw how human they were. And if you're like me, I I saw myself in their reactions. Reactions of denial. Reactions of blame. Reactions of defensiveness, of trying to stop it and step in the way. When we think about them being with their teacher and them trying to comprehend and to understand that this teacher that has been with them is now going to go away, we can understand how difficult that news was and the news of the loss and and where we left it last week so powerfully was that when we are in similar times of loss, when we are in times of crisis, Jesus asks us as he asks them to trust him and to be patient and to be faithful. Last week, so many people came up for prayer describing the situations they're in and the idea of being faithful And trusting Jesus is so difficult sometimes. I think Jesus knows this. Because, yes, he tells them to trust him, but immediately in the teaching, if I'm just going to read for you something we didn't read, in 15, Jesus says to them, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. 
Jesus, in this time where his disciples are panicking, are feeling the loss and the stress, he tells them, you, you don't love me by trying to stop this. You, you don't love me by trying to ignore this or to deny the reality of where I'm going. You love me by obeying me. And throughout the rest of 14, we see this image, this relationship between love for Jesus and obedience. There's this relationship. And so often, because you and I live in a conditional world where love can be transactional, where love can be conditional. In fact, maybe this weekend is so difficult for so many of us because all it is is a reminder of when love went bad, when the transaction failed. So, so often when we think about the relationship between love and obedience, we bring an earthly human perspective to it, but Je- and we think what Jesus is saying is something like this. If you love me, if you obey me, I will love you. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus has just spent numerous verses explaining his love for them. He washed their feet. He told them, instructed them to love one another. This is one of the first times in this particular teaching where Jesus brings up, if you want to show your love for me, you will obey me. And it's not a transactional, conditional relationship in which obedience equals God's love for us. In fact, it's something bigger. It's an image of of a beautiful relationship in which obedience and love just kind of go hand in hand. For if we truly love Jesus, we will obey him. For if we really love Jesus and follow Jesus, obedience is to follow. But the reality is that obedience to Jesus is really hard. So Jesus doesn't say, he doesn't say to us, um, obey me and my commands and then walk away from them. Quite the opposite. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In fact, I'm, I'm not even going to leave you. I'm going to have my Father send someone else, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, and this Spirit will be with you. So, I, so disciples, you are thinking what's happening here is that I'm leaving you and I'm leaving you alone. But I am leaving you and I am sending another to be with you. So when you are to obey me, you are not separate from me. Obedience to me, my presence will be with you. It's powerful. Love and obedience. Obedience is difficult. It's difficult for the disciples and it's especially difficult in times of crisis. I believe that. I've had so many friends stop following Jesus when the crisis got huge. Because somewhere in their understanding of how this all works out, that crisis and pain and stress and trauma, that somehow once we follow Jesus, these things don't happen to us. That, that's not true. We're, we're to take up our cross daily and follow him. Taking up the cross for Jesus was a painful act, and it's painful at times to follow Jesus. It's hard. And Jesus knows that in this time of stress that his disciples are facing and feeling, the promise of his presence, I mean, just think of that. Because it's especially in those times of crisis and and loss and pain where the presence of God is so needed in our lives. This message is about experiencing God's presence. This message is about the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And this is not a comprehensive sermon of the Holy Spirit, but I believe what we will talk about in the next little bit is essential for us to understanding that, that what was spoken to the disciples in John 14 is true and being spoken to you and I today. But when you start talking about the Holy Spirit in the Christian world and even in our culture that celebrates spirituality, sometimes we need to be grounded a little bit on some foundational realities of the Holy Spirit. We have a statement of faith that helps us do that. We spent all fall going over it. I highly encourage you to re-watch Pastor Jeff Leo's sermon from the fall or to read the commentary of what we believe of the Holy Spirit. I mean, our article is, is very full. It says, We believe that the Holy Spirit, in all that He does, glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. He convicts the world of its guilt. He makes sinful people alive to God through faith in Christ. And through the Spirit, they are baptized into union with Christ and adopted as heirs into the family of God. He also indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. That is a full statement. And I think in this particular teaching, in John 14, there are a couple places where this statement, parts of this statement, are, are reinforced. And, and I promise you, we're going to get to three parts of the Holy Spirit that I think are incredibly encouraging for us. But let's just add to our foundation just for a moment, because when we understand the foundation, these takeaways and these words we will get to in just a moment are just so much more powerful. And the first one is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. John 14. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. Our own statement of faith refers to the Holy Spirit as He. Some of our greatest songs in the church affirm God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Friends, it is important to understand and to understand the Holy Spirit as a person because the truth is, so often the way we talk about the Spirit, it's not as a person, it's more of this kind of force or energy. So oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk of it as a thing or an it or a force or an energy and at the core, the Holy Spirit is a person. Sometimes I think the way it, the Spirit gets talked about in church is like that we have this Holy Spirit-sized canister in our, in our body and it's like a gas tank and we get full of the Holy Spirit and then we go around life and it just gets less and less and less and less and less. Then we've got to find a location where the Spirit is heavy and then we, we get filled back up with the Spirit and then we just kind of keep decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. If it's, it's this kind of non-personal substance that we just have to get more of. Friends, that's not true. The Holy Spirit is a person. We act differently around people than we do around things. Uh, part of the rhythms, the way Jenny and I have lived, is that we, we like when people live with us. When people need some transitional housing or we're in a long-term situation right now that we're excited about, we have a 22-year-old living with us. And part of the reason we like living that way or that I like living that way is I'll just tell you the truth. I am a much better father when somebody else is living with us. I am a much better husband when somebody is living with us. 
Because I am very aware that in our home there is another presence among us. And I am very aware that my actions and my words and my thoughts are being observed and watched by somebody else. Friends, when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we become more and more aware of His presence in our lives. And it impacts the way that we live and it impacts the way that we behave. If the Holy Spirit is a force or an energy or a thing, we, we, we get away from things. We go visit things. We hold things for a while. We sell things. We can, we can be away from a thing. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a person and we should be aware of His presence among us. Which brings me to the second foundational reality. So the Holy Spirit is a person, but the Holy Spirit resides in and among the followers of Jesus. There's three realities just quickly here. We'll talk about in and among and the followers of Jesus. There is a personal reality to the Holy Spirit. There is a communal reality to the Holy Spirit. And then there's a familial or tribal reality to the Holy Spirit. Let's just go in these really quickly. Uh, the personal aspect of the Holy Spirit. The person of God through the Holy Spirit lives in individual followers of Jesus. Tim Keller says it very well when he says the Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian's heart. The Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian's heart. In our statement of faith, that's why we talk about the Spirit indwelling, illuminating, guiding. For those of us who follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, lives in us, directs us. Right? The culture would call this your conscience. The culture would call this an instinct or, or deja vu. But when we follow Jesus, the person of God lives in us and directs us. I remember many years ago, I was at 24-Hour Fitness in town, and I was sore, and I was sitting in the hot tub one night, just to be alone and quiet and to not be sore. And there was a man sitting across from me who was clearly in pain. And not physical pain. I could tell it was emotional pain. Something was going on in his life. He just looked in despair. And I sensed the person of the Holy Spirit prompting me to reach out to this person, to say hello, to ask what was going on, if I could be helpful. But then this whole other voice started coming in. You're in a hot tub. This is weird. You would run away from this. And friends, I'll tell you the truth. That circumstance was one of the first times where I was very, very aware of what it means to deny the Holy Spirit. Because I did not do what he was prompting me to do. And the, the crazy thing is, the more we do that, the more we can't really hear that presence of God in us. There is an individual reality of the Spirit of God that lives in individuals. But there is also a reality that the Holy Spirit lives among us. That the community experiences the Holy Spirit. In fact, the first time the Spirit descends in Acts chapter 2, He comes upon the, upon the disciples in such a powerful and profound way that, that tongues of fire are happening and languages are being spoken and people are hearing the message of Jesus and giving their lives to Jesus. It's a scene. The Spirit of God is not just for me and you as individual people, but there's a reality that when we gather, that the Spirit of God comes in the context of this community. 
That's what we do this morning. When we gather, whether in this group or a small group or an adult class, or if I'm having coffee with someone who's a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, resides in us together and speaks to us together. That is why, if you're part of Lake Avenue Church, there are places where we believe the Spirit of God has called us to be His witnesses that are different from other churches. That doesn't make other churches worse or less because we follow the Spirit and the reality of what He is saying to us because of our location and our history and our demographics is a unique calling to this community that might be very different from another church a couple blocks away. Because the Spirit of God speaks in community. And it's important to note also that the Holy Spirit, and we can read in the Scripture, that the Holy Spirit is for the followers of Jesus. You will see in this particular teaching, Jesus talking about the world not being able to even understand Him. And that, the, that they will recognize the Spirit. That doesn't mean that the Spirit of God isn't bigger than our individual connection to Him and our communal connection. In fact, our statement of faith says that the Spirit glorifies Jesus. So the hope would be, and the prayer would be, that when we leave here and we go to the restaurant, that we are the Spirit in us is being glorified, and that's why the waiter or waitress wants to know where we've come from and why we're so full of life. Followers of Jesus, there's a distinction in this teaching between the world's ability to experience the Holy Spirit and the reality that it's for the disciples. He is for the disciples. So with these two things in mind, with these two things in mind, that the Spirit is a person and the Spirit lives in and among the followers of Jesus, I have been in this text all week long. There was this moment on Thursday where I got, Linda Neuenberg sends me a text message. She goes, how's the sermon coming? And I said, it's all right. She goes, have you asked the Holy Spirit what he wants you to say about him? <laughs> I said, of, of course, I hadn't. Um, so I did, and I had an outline 20 minutes later, because God is amazing. So I've got three words, because this is huge stuff. I mean, we're talking about God's presence. We're talking about the presence of God in a person of the Holy Spirit. There is no, we could be here all weekend and scratch the surface. But I believe that there are three realities to the Holy Spirit, three words for us today. And the first word is this, truth. Verse 16, I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you, the Spirit of truth. John's Gospel talks about truth all over the place. In fact, it starts out, we're so familiar with the first part of this verse. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus previously, in 14.6, says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. The person of the Holy Spirit illuminates, personifies the truth of Jesus points people to the truth about Jesus. Going back to our statement of faith, glorifies the Lord Jesus. Salvation. The very message of Jesus. The very life and sacrifice of Jesus. 
is in the person of the Holy Spirit. Truth. The second word, teach. Verse 25. 1425, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. I'm thinking about the disciples. This teacher, this rabbi they've been with for three years. They've been in the lab for three years. They've been in lecture and lab for three years. He has just said to them, I am leaving you. I would think some panic would set in. Because it wasn't just, I'm leaving you, but I'm leaving you, and then you're going to do all this amazing stuff for me. I bet what they were thinking is, what if we forget everything? It seems like there were a lot of times, Jesus, where you did a teaching and we totally missed it. So now how are we going to do this? And Jesus says this to them, this isn't like class where you will finish the quarter and never see the teacher again. This is an ongoing relationship. So I will keep teaching you. You will still remember the ways that I have taught because the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, whom I am giving you, will continue to teach. The disciples needed that. They had a pretty tall order in front of them. But the truth of that reality of the Holy Spirit as a teacher in our lives, as the one who helps the scriptures come alive, who connects us to the realities of the ways of Jesus, that wasn't just confined to them and John. That's the truth of the Holy Spirit for you and I today. That following Jesus is a lifelong journey. And that the ways of Jesus are continually pushing us and challenging us. And we are always conforming more and more into the image of God prayerfully. When I was the high school pastor here, one of the things I would tell students, and some of them might remember this, I I would say something like this. I hope that in your college years you so fall in love with Jesus more and more that you look back at your high school self and your understanding of God and you kind of snicker and smile. Because God will become more and more and more to you. In my heart I thought, I hope... If I've done my job and they keep following Jesus, they will look back at me and go, did he teach us anything? Because God became more and more and more. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, teaches us in this lifelong journey of being like Jesus. Many years ago, there was a a tough season here where there were a few fathers who tragically passed away way too early. And after one of these families... The father had passed away in the church. I got a phone call a couple of days later from someone in the church I had never met. So we met up for coffee, said he wanted to talk to me about this family. And he had only heard through his Sunday school class kind of the the headline that, that a dad had died very young and that there were children still here. So we met and he said, I just want you to know, in my quiet time yesterday morning, I came across the scriptures that talked about how we are to care for the orphan and the fatherless and the widow. And then I remembered on Sunday, we were praying for a family where there's a widow and some fatherless kids now. And I just want to be obedient to what I sensed when I read. So can you make sure if that family has any financial needs for the rest of their children and student ministry experience at Lake Avenue Church, will you just let me know and let the family know I'll take care of it? Then he said something powerful. I have read that scripture over and over and over again in my life and it came alive to me 
yesterday. Friends, the Spirit of God will teach us. And it's a lifelong teaching. Which means we can read Scripture over and over and over again and it continues to teach, it continues to speak. And something that we have read that we think we fully understood, he wakes us up to something new. The Holy Spirit is teach. And finally, the word is touch. Remembering the disciples in a time of crisis and fear, anxiety, despair. Verse 27, he says to them, Peace I leave you, peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Again, from the disciples' perspective, there's the situation they're in where this this isn't going very well. And then there's the mission that they're called to. Both the situation and the mission were plenty of cause for fear. Were plenty of cause for having a troubled heart. Were plenty of a cause to not experience peace but but anxiety. And the power and the presence of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit tells them, Peace. Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit is not only so that when our minds read Scripture, we will be more and more intellectually aware of who God is. The Holy Spirit also empowers us from our mind to our heart to our hands and helps us to be the kind of people who have been touched by God so that we can go touch others. The the Holy Spirit comes into the brokenness, into the pain, into the fear, and comes into our life and touches us and says, do not be afraid. Do not be troubled. I love Jesus' earlier words where he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You are not going to be without me. I'm going to show you a picture of me in sixth grade. I was precious. Um, that, that might have been probably one of the last smiles that year. Because my mom was a teacher. And it was early on into the school year where the teachers go to school and the kids stay home. I have a brother who's two years older. This was the first time on one of these in-service days that we were allowed to stay home by ourselves. And we were so excited because we had just gotten our first video game system and our agenda for the day was to literally play video games all day. And that we did. And so we woke up and played video games. Mom went to work and somewhere in the middle of the day my dad came home popped into the den where we were playing, said hello, we just kept playing video games, and eventually, I I think we probably said goodbye to him as he went back off to work. And my mom came home after school, and I um, I can still hear it. This shriek came from the back room, their bedroom in a bathroom. And what had happened is she had opened up the medicine cabinet and noticed that my dad's deodorant and his toothbrush and anything that was his in the house was gone. She went into the bedroom, opened up the drawers, all of his clothes were gone. And while my brother and I were playing Super Mario Brothers in one room, my dad had packed up everything that connected him to our family and to our home and had moved out under our nose. Left a very brief note 
That said, he needed space and to let the boys know that it had nothing to do with them. Now that started a year of, friends, I have no other word, a year of hell. Statistically, this doesn't make sense, but I knew nobody else. There was no, nobody else in my life whose parents were separated or divorced. Every other family in my neighborhood and in our, that I was in a relationship with had a really fun family. And my family, we just cried all the time and went to counseling appointments. One time I, I remember the, the kind of weeks we had where my brother and I would go to counseling and then my mom, my brother, and I would go to counseling and then the four of us would go to counseling and, and some months it looked like dad was going to move back in and then some months it looked like nothing ever good was going to happen and, and, and ultimately there was another day, another in-service day where my dad and my brother and I were supposed to wait at home for my dad to pick us up so we could go to his apartment, pack up everything and he was moving back home. And he never came. I did not want to be at home. I hated home. I had a really good mom. She didn't let us just do whatever we wanted, so there were approved places we could be. And one of those places, by God's grace, was churches. So at one point in sixth grade and seventh grade, I was a Presbyterian and a Baptist and a... I think I was Catholic for a little bit, too. But there was one youth pastor at the Presbyterian Church in town, Dave. And I have a son, Henry David Matisich, because of Dave. He came to my mom and he said, just let me take these boys away for the weekend, or for the week. We go to camp. We go to this place called Forest Home. Can I just take them away? You need some space. They need to get out of here. We didn't have a dime. I don't even know how, how that happened, but we found ourselves at Forest Home that week. My brother was at high school camp and I was in seventh grade camp and Tuesday night at camp I remember hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and there was something so true about what I was hearing. The truth of Jesus became real to me. And it wasn't just for me but the idea that the sin of the world and that didn't just mean all the dumb things I had done as a seventh grade kid but it meant all the dumb stuff that had been done to us especially by our dad and mom, and divorce. And I said, I want in on that. I gave my life to Jesus Tuesday night, Thursday of that week at camp. I was having such a great time. And the way you get more points at summer camp and middle school is by memorizing Bible verses. And I wanted to get the points for my cabin and team, and I was this new Christian. And the verse that day was Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I woke up that morning starting to memorize that, that Bible verse for points. And by the end of the day, the Holy Spirit began to teach me through his word. And something deep connected to me. That if that Bible verse was true, that I was going to be okay. And that the hell that we were living in at home that God was bigger than it. I started out for points and I ended up experiencing the person of the Holy Spirit teaching me. And that started my journey with Him. He's been teaching ever since. He also began to touch my life through the power of community that week. 
through my cabin mates, through the relationships at this church. So, so that by freshman year of high school, my head was up and I wasn't defined by my parents' mistakes. I wasn't defined by being fatherless. That although my dad had moved out of our home, the living God lived in my heart. And you can see, it still impacts me. I'm not going to deny that. But I'm not wounded by it. And I'm not victim to it. Because the Holy Spirit has touched me. And healed me and said to me, Do not let your heart be troubled, Jeff. Peace, Jeff. Do not be afraid. You are not alone. Friends, if you need evidence that the Spirit of God is alive in this world. The Spirit of God will reach down and get a 7th grade kid and communicate to, to that kid the truth of Jesus, will start teaching him the power of the Word of God, and will start healing. Friends, this morning, may it be true for each one of us that if you are not recognizing the power of the person of the Holy Spirit in your lives, may you wake up to the reality. He is not someone we summons. He is someone we realize. My favorite hymn in context of this sermon says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Pray with me. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this world and thank you for sending the Holy Spirit into our lives. I pray that for each one of us, today and this week, we would be much more aware of the reality that you do live and that you walk with us and you talk with us, that you live within our hearts. Help us to be the kind of people who understand the truth of Jesus that are continually being taught in his ways and who are experiencing the healing and loving touch of you through the Holy Spirit. Fill us, God, with the truth of your presence. Not just so that we can feel good about that here, but that we can give it and demonstrate it to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Thank you, God, for being big enough to meet a broken 6th, 7th grade kid. And God, I pray that your bigness would touch every heart and every life here today. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.